morning and welcome to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. Wherever you are, you are listening to The Breakfast Show and you're joined by Lawson and... Mum! Good morning. Good morning. How are you? How are you? Oh, I'm I'm just, I'm winning at life. I'm just absolutely <laughs> feeling really? it. Actually, I am so grateful this morning. Oh, yeah? What I'm, for? I'm sitting here in the studio, you know, my usual hungry breakfastless self and uh, just, you know, hanging out here, you know, just thinking about what I'm going to eat after the show. And my saviour, Monica, walks in um, and she puts, she has a bowl herself of like rice and veggies and tofu and puts it on the table. And I was kind of bugging her yesterday. I was like making jokes about like, oh, you brought me breakfast. Da, 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 da. But like, I don't usually eat breakfast, so I'm fine. But then so I made that joke this morning and mom was like, well, actually I, I did. And then pulls out another bowl of rice <laughs> and veggies and tofu of which I love. Um, and so I'm super grateful. But then I found out she didn't wash the rice. And now, now I'm like, now I'm, you're calling me out on live now radio. I'm going to have starch in my veins. I'm just going to take that breakfast back. Thanks. Pass it over. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I cook my rice the true Asian way. I use oh, a rice my. cooker and I don't wash the rice. That's how the Asians do it. Th- that is like... Asians come through for me, please. I text. know text so text many Uncle Asians Roger. who would disagree with you. <laughs> Never Even Uncle Raj. Roger. So, hey, 0491 is the number to call if you know. Hey, do you need to wash your rice? And if you're Asian, like, apparently that gives you more if credibility. If you're not Asian, don't call in. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And right now it is time for our 100 point quiz question. What did God use to take the prophet Elijah into heaven? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So give us a call, 0491-064-669. The prize for the 100-point question is a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker, and if DJ Shell's feeling fresh, she might even chuck in a fridge magnet. A fridge mag. magnet. <laughs> <Dude>. That's <laughs> a win right there. She's giving thumbs up on the fridge magnets. The question is, what did God use to take the prophet Elijah into heaven? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. It wasn't a Nissan. It, it wasn't a Nissan. It definitely wasn't a Nissan. Just a clue there. <laughs> it wasn't a Hyundai. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not even a Toyota. It was- <laughs> <laughs> but, if, you know, give us a call or a text. And right now we're going to have some positively different news this morning. You still haven't asked me what I'm grateful for. Oh, okay. What are you grateful for? I'm I'm super grateful because, so I bought, you know you know how on, on social media there's uh. all those ads for the pet calming beds and they're like, like a giant sort of donut uh-huh. thing and it's like big and it's fluffy and round. Mm. I've always been like, I wonder if those things really work. Anyway, now that I've actually gotten a dog, I've decided to try one out and buy one. They're a little bit on the XE side compared to like your cheapo dog beds, but mm. I got one yesterday and it came in the mail and I took it out of the box and I put it on the floor and I left the room to go do something and I came back and my dog was like spread eagled on his new bed, <laughs> just loving it. And I, I have such a hard time getting him out of bed now. Like mm. usually he follows me around everywhere, but now he's just like, I'm like, hang on, where's my dog? And then I go find him. He's in the bed, the 
pet calming bed. So well, I'm super grateful that he's absolutely loving it. Scoops is only like eight months old, right? Yeah, he's Maybe he's moving to his like dog teenage years where he <laughs> likes to just sleep <laughs> in. It's going to be a while before he hits that. He's a rescue, so he has like trauma. So that's why I got it. And it, it's definitely working. He, he mm. like he really relaxes in there. So yeah, oh, I'm super grateful awesome. for that. Yeah. That is awesome. I'm not going to lie. When every time I look at it, I'm like, I wish they came in like Monica's size. I don't care up in one of those. Chuck it in the bus. Yeah. You know, go yeah. to sleep. That's so awesome. It kind of, it kind of has the sort of feel of a beanbag, you know, like almost like a beanbag yeah, sure. dog, but better. But then it's like fluffy. and It's super fluffy. Because we also have one at home for my dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just like fluffy donut that I'm yeah. like, man, I, it's like, it's almost like, you know, the donuts that you sit in and float around in the pool. Yeah. It's yeah. like that, but like bigger and fluffy. And it has a base, obviously. It doesn't, oh. have, it doesn't fall through. Does, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. going to fall through the bed. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that's amazing. I'm actually looking forward to seeing how the bed goes in the next 48 hours. Because apparently, like, because comp- they've compacted the like, vacuum seal it to send it because it's quite big. So they fold mm. it up. So I'm, and it apparently it takes up to 48 hours to sort of unfold properly. So. Oh, so it's like just expand. It, yeah, it's like slowly yep. expanding. So this morning I woke up and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's quite a lot bigger. So I'm wow. like, looking forward to seeing how big it is like tomorrow. Awesome. Anyway. Good news from around the world. This is amazing. Lawson, you and I were in Africa together a uh-huh. few years ago. And I don't know if you remember, but I um, had an allergic reaction, a severe allergic reaction to my anti-malarial medication. That and is I, hectic. And I had to stop taking them, which is really scary if you're like, what, you were doing what I was doing, which is traveling through Kenya, South yeah. Africa not so much, but also Ethiopia. Without taking protection against malaria. Mm. And then I got a cold and everyone freaked out thinking that I had malaria and I had to go to hospital in Ethiopia, which was a real experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the thing about uh, malaria, as we all know, is there is no sort of vaccine that we know of mm. um, until now. Really? Yeah. So if you do go to countries where malaria is a thing, you have to take an ongoing medication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. So, but now this is, this is amazing. So there's a breakthrough RTS vaccine, which was actually pioneered in Malawi mm. in April 2019. And it was found to be safe and substantially reduced severe cases of the disease. And the WHO, the World Health Organization, um, has started using it. And now more than a million children in Ghana, Kenya, and Malawi have now received at least one dose of the world's first ever um, antimalarial vaccine and apparently mm. it's going gangbusters just, oh, it's just really good yeah that's fantastic yeah so this is really great um you know and this is apparently going to save the lives between 40 and eighty thousand children in africa each year uh-huh. that's incredible 40 to eighty thousand kids die every year from malaria and yeah you know now we can fix that um so yeah they're saying it's not just a scientific breakthrough it's a life-changing um, vaccine for families across africa um and this is something we should definitely praise god for um you know we have so many vaccines already like you know for you know, measles and mumps and rabies mm. and all that kind of stuff. So this is great that we now can um, shove malaria on the list of hopefully soon to be completely eradicated diseases. Yeah. So, yeah, it's about 90% of the world's malaria cases are recorded in Africa. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. and I actually had the number wrong. It's it's 260,000 children die from the disease each year. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. That is a lot more. Yeah. What did you say? Forty. I said, and I said, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's how many they're, they're going to planning to save each year. So, uh-huh. eight, forty to eighty thousand. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's going to be incredible. Um, I'm really stoked for this, and this is definitely something to be grateful for, and mm. to be grateful also that we live in a country where we don't have malaria. So. Yeah, malaria is one of those difficult things, as you said, because it it affects mostly people who are in low socioeconomic mm-hmm. areas, right. like like Africa or you know parts of Asia and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um. 
And then it is a disease that requires yet yeah, ongoing medication and treatment to overcome. Yeah. So it's like, it's a really difficult, and obviously, as you said, like the numbers don't lie, like how many people die from malaria yeah. uh, each year, but now they have a solution for it. That was just the kids, by the way, the numbers. That oh yeah. Like, that's that just, just children. children. So yeah. for like adults and whatnot, then I, yeah. I, I, I mean, hopefully they'll get more higher. funding and be able to make more of it and roll it out. And then hopefully it'll be get down to zero, zero yeah. deaths from malaria. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Yeah. Because yeah. this that's is, this is a disease that uh, well, according to your statistics is truly out here. Yeah, I mean, when people think about Africa, I think they almost think of it synonymous with uh, Mm -hmm. malaria and the... Do you know, I actually have a friend, he's from um, one of the Congos, Mm -hmm. um, the better one according to him, of course. (laughs) (laughs) But he's had malaria like four times. Wow. Yeah. So he's just overcoming it. Yeah. He's like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. (laughs) Even though he's like almost died every single time. That is gnarly. So yeah, it's a bit crazy. Anyway, next piece of good news coming from Switzerland. Uh Um, Have you been to Switzerland? I have not been to Switzerland. What a beautiful country. It's, to me, it's one of the three most beautiful countries I've ever been really? to. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like picturesque to the point where it almost hurts. What, what's on its level, would you say? New Zealand. Okay. New yep. Zealand, it's the same kind of beauty. It's that sort of pristine, looks like it's straight off a postcard kind of a beauty. Mm-hmm. The most beautiful country in the world is Croatia, but it's a different kind of beauty. Okay. Yeah, but New Zealand and Switzerland, close wow. second. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Switzerland is set to become the home to the world's tallest timber residential building. How cool is that? Okay, so they're building a massive... A building massive, out massive of wood. building out of wood, which is like at first I was like, well, duh, but it turns out we've been doing concrete for so long that it's like yeah, now no it's way. like a novelty to, That's right. to build out of wood. Uh-huh. Uh, I, th- I feel like Lyle would love this. But not even concrete, like brick and mortar as well before yeah. that. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's been like a while. But, you know, Switzerland has such a, a strong history, um, you know, have, for its culture with wood mm. and woodworking, mm. that kind of thing. So they're loving they're loving the, uh, this new project. It's called Rocco Entirely. Uh, it's four buildings and one of them has a 100 meter tower tall tower on top of it so it's quite large it's going to be built in the swiss city of winterthur which is located near zurich <clears throat> and uh it's really quite well designed you should check out the pictures look at that it's like i like the, that is incredible i love the color of the timber actually it's sort of like a redwood yeah 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 yeah, yeah it's beautiful mm. well they'll, they'll lacquer it up and then it gets that kind of dark finish which that you know they'd need to do if it's like a building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're not going to leave the drive. Yeah. Know. Yeah. So uh, it's going to have a modern, high-quality housing with a maximum inflow of daylight, according to the designers, which was actually um, a collaboration with the Danish firms. The Danes and the Swiss uh, got together and did this. Classic. Um, yeah, and the facade on, uh, will be covered in dark red and yellow terracotta bricks combined with dusty green-coloured details, uh-huh. which is apparently in keeping with like the traditional style of housing in that area. Uh-huh. So it's like really going to blend in. But so it's not just like some big monstrosity that looks exactly, like nothing else. It, yeah. Like It's really... This is not going to be a sore thumb. Wow. You might not even notice it if you're walking by on the street. Yeah. Yeah. My question is, is like, do they, do they need to reinforce timber if they build it so high? Like, have they got metal rods running through it? Just like, you yeah, know, I don't know. when they build with concrete, you know, you yeah, have your concrete you and then you, uh, you see concrete, but on the inside, it's got reinforced steel, like holding everything together. Yeah. Like you, when you, when you go past the building site, you see those big metal poles coming out yeah, of the that's ground, right. like when they're just about to pull the concrete on. So that's what I'm wondering. Maybe there's any, uh, you know, timber artisans out there. If you know what it's like to build a, 
building this big with timber? Do they need to reinforce it with steel or yeah. not? Please let us know. Because I'm thinking like steel, uh, sorry, timber flexes so much, you know. It just does, right. I, I live in a house that is made out of a lot of wood. Mm-hmm. And uh, not completely timber, but it's like, yeah, do the doorways and I everything. I keep wondering flex. how noisy this hundred meter tower is going to be because it's like going up the stairs. Is it going to creak? Like, who knows? Yeah, wow. <laughs> You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And right now, it is time for our 200 point clue for the quiz. What hostile army pursuing the people of Israel was completely destroyed in the middle of the Red Sea? Mm, 200 mm. points, and you will get a back issue of Science Magazine if you ring in now. Our number is 0491064669. What hostile army pursuing the people of Israel was completely destroyed in the middle of the Red Sea? Have you been to the Red Sea? I have not. I've, I haven't been to the Middle East. Yeah, so, um, neither have I. I'm keen to baked bean to go though. Yeah, that's probably one of the only continents I haven't been to. That, oh, really? they're, in, they're in South America. I've been to every other kind of continent and region. You've been to Antarctica? Oh, well, no one's been to Antarctica. Rap! <laughs> <laughs> Just only, writes it off. Only penguins go to Antarctica. <laughs> so, And I saw the penguins at the Sydney Zoo. So... <laughs> So, or oh, at the, the aquarium. So I'm good. I'm good on Antarctica. Oh, actually, I'd love to go to Antarctica. Yeah, same, same. Dude, we're actually, a, a group of us were looking at jobs down in Antarctica and it's like, same. Boilermaker, 45 bucks an hour. I'm like, man, I wish I had a trade. I could just go down there and <laughs> yeah. make bank and come home. Oh, that would be amazing. Come home and defrost. Obviously, obviously, also down there, there's like lots of like really smart scientists and whatnot, uh-huh. but you can just be a tradie on your way to Antarctica. How yeah. fun would that be? Um, well, that's the thing probably pay you so much because it wouldn't be very fun and be like super <laughs> super difficult um but hey let's have a look at some current news so we talked yesterday about the twitter acquisition by elon musk has yeah. basically bought the company for 44 billion dollars um have and- they cleared it yet has he actually like been approved um, I believe, you know, they're, uh, what is it? The FCC, whatever they're, they're who, who the governing body, the is. governing body is still, you know, looking into it, uh, okay. anti- anti-monopoly laws and all that, all those things, but it's most likely it will go through. Wow. Um, but, um, some, some social media experts have stepped up and said some really interesting things that I just wanted to quickly comment because we know like. Elon Musk has made this acquisition. Obviously, there's some kind of business interest in it for him. But then as well, he's posing it uh, from the perspective that, hey, I want to protect free speech. Mm-hmm. Now, I want everyone to have the opportunity to have free speech. And therefore, if I buy Twitter and I give everyone that, then Twitter can be a fair place. What do you call it? The digital marketplace mm-hmm. of the world where democracy and all of these things can be upheld and people can share different perspectives and ideas. Now... The thing is, though, is that we could imagine um, that Twitter won't be completely devoid from this point forward from moderation. There still needs to be some kind of moderation. This is this is the thought that I've had, and this is what um, particular experts have kind of denoted. Because levels of moderation, in particularly in social media or anything online, aren't really needed. Um, and this is because when you leave spaces unmoderated, because you can uh, access Twitter um, anonymously, ultimately you just, if you leave it completely unmoderated um, and completely open to some kind of free speech model, um, ultimately you create an environment that just becomes really hostile and, and toxic. 
um, and and actually becomes counterproductive. I don't know. I reckon if it goes down that way, people will naturally now be like, do you know what? Twitter sucks now and just log off and, and just leave. leave their account. I think capitalism will do its thing. Yeah, if, if they're like, happens. oh, for this to continue to make money, we're going to have to moderate it so right. that people stay on the platform. Same with Instagram. They have to moderate it all the time. Otherwise, it just becomes like a, a cesspool of pornography and people just wouldn't log on. I mean, uh, people who aren't dude, interested in seeing that wouldn't totally, log on. Totally. Yeah. Like, 100%. But, I, like, the interesting – because this is the thing. From Donald Trump's perspective, he's like, everyone should have the right to free speech. And that's what we want to achieve with Twitter. I agree with that. But I'd love to see that from the perspective where that free speech isn't anonymous. Mm. But then it's like, but this is because from there, it's like, then will people actually be free to say what they yes, want because yeah. then their uh, reputations are the line. But from the other perspective, it's like, oh, but if we can envi- create an environment where people are free to say what they want without ridicule and um, actually evaluate and assess ideas, then that would be good too. Because ultimately, if you create an environment in which people have total anonymity and unmoderation, yeah, it just will lead to like, um, Dankness. Just it, terrible, yeah. toxic mm. content. And I think the best example of that was YouTube. So YouTube um, started its moderation program in 2011, um, and that meant that you could get paid. Uh, you would get a percentage of the ad revenue coming in um, from people watching ads that were associated, uh, that were on your videos. Um, and up until 2017, like, YouTube has always been a moderated place. They've always had hard stances against, like, nudity and, and pornography and, um, you know, particularly graphic content or whatever it may be. Mm. Um, but around uh, 2016 is what they call the toxic era of YouTube because the the thing that was driving the most traffic on the platform um, was not interesting videos was not, you know, Vimeo videos with great premises or great execution. It was wholly and solely drama. Like that, this whole thing was just like, oh, if we just show things that are shocking and dramatic and do our best to skirt around, you know, um, TOS or any of the guidelines or anything. So we don't show nudity, but if we just create as much drama and controversy as possible, um, then ultimately, um, We'll make money from this. Yeah, because we've got a view count. That's right. Yeah. Um, and this was up until 2017 when they had what was called the adpocalypse. And at that point, they started mass demonetizing videos who use this style of content um, at the request of the sponsors themselves. Because mm-hmm. the sponsors were like, we don't want our brand. You know, we don't want a Macca's ad before someone doing something totally shocking and terrible. Yeah. Uh, so what happened then is that it really actually cleaned YouTube. A lot of people complained. And I think sometimes they've gone too far. But what it's created is the modern YouTube. I, I actually quite like YouTube now because vid- videos get famous because of premise mm-hmm. rather than association and drama. So I was like... Yeah, that's so you actually... reckon that the clickbait era is coming to an end? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It still exists. Like clickbait still exists, and, and people it... kind of hate when they get caught in clickbait. That's and they right. Realize it, yeah. But going like for the content itself to be totally over dramatized mm-hmm. and terrible, that era has kind of come to an end. You still see it a bit in the thumbnails they create for their videos. That's right. Yeah. But hopefully, my my ultimate hope is that Twitter can strike that balance that YouTube has found, where we can ultimately have videos uh, well we can have content that is good because of premise and not because of association mm-hmm. uh, because you know drama can be interesting and funny but then at the same time it's like that's i don't want to, my life to focus on that i yeah. i want to be informed not uh not you know i mean that's an interesting saddened. i don't know it's an interesting hope or prediction that you have for it and i guess i kind of hope it goes that way as well i don't really see twitter 
in that way though because to me twitter is not nearly as useful as youtube like i've trained my dog using you know how to train your dog videos on yeah, youtube that's right. like that's right. twitter is not for me a resource that i go to like i would to like google that's or right. youtube or even google maps these days it's so full of information uh-huh. twitter to me just comes across as like now if you want to know what rich like you know rich famous people are saying that's like, right. all the time this is how you do it because just for a regular joe to have a twitter account and to have people like, okay, I want to know what regular Joe has to say. Oh, it doesn't happen. Regular Joe can be really funny and make jokes. And, yeah, and but that's like an anomaly. That's kind of like, that's a Twitter outside of famous people. It's just like different communities and whatnot, sharing thoughts and opinions on different things. Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess maybe I'm just cynical because just, I'm just not interested. In neither am I. Ne- I, I totally know where you're coming from. Neither am it's I. It's the fool with the foghorn. Like every yeah, fool has a foghorn now right. and it's called Twitter. <laughs> That's right. But hopefully in the future we can see it used. Even one fool can be like multiple fools because I can just create multiple anonymous accounts. Um, yeah, totally. That's right. That, that, that is, that is a bit of an issue and yeah. anonymity. Um, but ultimately we'll Look, see. Look, I wouldn't cry if I went to bed moves. tonight and Twitter had been deleted from the space <laughs> of the earth. Yeah. Let me just that, say. that was, that was Elon Musk's plan. He yeah. bought Twitter just to delete it because people were making fun of him. That's, I've seen a lot of people like it. say that on social media. Like man was really embarrassing self on social media. So he bought it to delete it. Like stuff like that. I was like, that's so funny. I wonder if he'll, um, he'll allow like no longer allow people to to go into the histories and get out people's histories you know how like oftentimes yeah. they want to like cancel someone they're like oh this person tweeted this like 20 years ago or something yeah like, yeah i wonder if he'll stop that so also there's a lot lots of pornographic content on twitter nudity is not illegal you just need to really yeah if you didn't know that so that that could also be something that's cleaned up because yeah that is not what uh what I'm I mean, if that's so. what if, if he's honestly doing it to delete it, that's a really expensive delete, like a sixty billion dollar delete. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, hey, oh, I was going to talk about the election, but we just don't have time, Sorry. so I want to talk about this uh, right now. So, at least fifty-one percent of U.S. Christians think that mission is a calling for some, but not a mandate. Oh, oh. So this is interesting. Like this is this is their perspective, um, and that was. Uh, uh, Compared to what pastors said, where 86% of pastors said it was a mandate rather than a calling. Um, so a much higher mark. But the question is, like, what does the Bible say? Does the Bible say it's a mandate or a calling? And now if we go to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, the Great Commission, we see, you know, Jesus has authority all over the earth. And then he has his specific calling to Christians. And what is it? Teach all men the things I have commanded you and baptize them. This is his calling for all Christians. Mm. And then he gives reason as to why, because he's coming back soon. And 55% of those people who answered that also said they had no recollection of the Great Commission. So, interesting stuff. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And it's time for our 300-point quiz question. Which of the disciples slash apostles, wives wife accompanied him on missionary ministry trips according to Paul. Well I butchered that <laughs> It couldn't be written better to be honest. Uh-huh. Do you want uh, do you wanna do you, oh wow they're calling out producer <laughs> Shell right now. That's tough. So one of the disciples' wives accompanied him on ministry trips according to Paul. Mm. Which disciple was it? And that is a three hundred point question for which you'll get a pocket sermon that's not a tiny Lyle, it's a pocket sermon. Yes. Yeah. It is a sermon that you can fit in your pocket. It's been written down and you can put it in your pocket. 0491 <laughs> is the number to call if you know the answer about who was uh, going on some couple's ministry 
trips mm-hmm. uh, in the Bible. According to Paul. According to Paul. Uh-huh. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. I didn't actually know this one. Really? Yeah, I didn't know this one. I th- I'm pretty sure I know who it is. Yeah. But I'm mean, not going to say it, obviously. I think I have a better clue now that I've seen a couple of episodes of Chosen, The Chosen. <laughs> if I hadn't seen that, I might not have noticed. DJ Shell knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, right now it is time for our guest interview and it is Mental Health Wednesdays. We always have someone sharing about mental health. Before it was David Haupt. He's taking some time away, um, recovering from some health issues and problems. But right now on the phone, we've got Jennifer. Jennifer, are you there with us? I am. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. That's a pleasure. Um, I believe we are going to be continuing on with the topic that we were talking about last week, which was essentially dealing yes. with trauma How our and to, specifically is. today, um, how our brain processes and copes uh, with trauma and how we can overcome. Absolutely. Mm. Well, we have been created with the most amazing brain. There is so much. It's still an unknown frontier in science. So science might know 50% of brain function. Mm -hmm. With technology, of course, that improves. But what we do know is very powerful because how we use and wire our brain is crucial to our well-being physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you'd be well aware, many people have um, mental health or emotional issues, particularly at this time with all the traumas, they're just mass traumas globally as well as locally and in our country. Um, trauma impacts the brain in a way that it, it wires it rapidly. So when you have a traumatic moment, the brain maps it uh, it's like in nanoseconds basically mm-hmm. and the map it gives is so powerful it will override a lot of other factors. Hence, people end up living in fear, anxiety, um, triggers. Now, the brain actually absorbs a trauma or any event, whether it's good or bad, in the five senses. So it can be triggered by sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell. Okay. Smell being one of the more subtle and most powerful because it has to go through through to the back of the brain, whereas the other senses go straight to the, the brain. Mm. So people will be maybe watching something on TV and a news item comes up and somewhere say there's a flood um, or a death from COVID and immediately they go into panic and trauma because the brain can't process it. So um, the memory bank is so loaded. So part of what I do is help people to what I call download, not the memory but the emotional reaction to that memory. Mm. Um, because it's not just in the brain, it's in the whole body. Your whole nervous system, every cell of the body has a memory. Mm -hmm. So it's like a resetting of the whole system to stop reacting to the trauma. Mm, now i believe you would you would title that kind of therapy it's it's cognitive behavioral therapy right so like yeah yeah uh in that line (laughs) of essentially you know we uh have some we've gained some kind of response or something that you as you said here trauma that heavily remaps the brain re um re kind of jigs everything Mm. that's going on as as you could imagine Mm -hmm. it's just hugely impactful and then automated responses are then created. So essentially what you're yes. doing then to reverse that is is training that away? Now, there's more to it than that, and that has been a huge aspect of 
resetting trauma is mm-hmm. helping to rewire the brain, which mm-hmm. is consciously mapping it. But trauma, because it's embedded um, in the nervous system, wow. one of the things I do is work with helping particularly the autonomic nervous system. So this is where, before I talked about psychoeducation, helping people understand their whole system. And because when you have stress and trauma, the adrenaline and cortisol um, wants you to fight or flight. When you can't fight or flight, um, it gets embedded in what we call a freeze mode. So the whole nervous system freezes. Mm. So I get people to understand because we've got it. In the nervous system, we've got an autonomic, we've got two sides, a brake and accelerator. Most people are living on the accelerator, which means they're constantly um, sending off adrenaline, cortisol and running on the spot. They can't go anywhere. So with the trees, what they get them to do is to do some very simple, what we call heart-focused breathing, um, where they uh, take some deep breaths consciously, and be aware of where they're at in their surroundings because what it does, it puts the brake on and allows that freeze to release. Wow. So it actually helps, yeah, it helps the whole system to reset. You can never go back and um, change what happened. You can't go back to the event. You can only work in the present. So I work with the triggers in the present, what that person dials up, and there are, God has given us some amazing ways to reset the nervous system, just being in nature, um, you know, going to the beach, working. You know, pet therapy is a wonderful thing where people just stop and spend time with their pets and do the breathing, getting out in the garden. There are so many things we can do that um, will help to put that brake on and allow the nervous system to reset. When that happens, the brain can then rebalance and reset. So I work from body to brain. That is is so amazing. Like it it was actually just quickly, uh, it was just reminding me of of an experience that I had. So um, I I grew up uh, racing motorbikes professionally um, and well, I grew up racing motorbikes and then eventually I I spent a couple of years uh, professionally doing it um, before, you know, I met the Lord and, and started following oh. him. Um, but yep. I had a number of very big crashes um, and uh-huh. you know, very kind of traumatic events, uh, like in terms of like just body trauma, you know, um, like hitting yep. my head. Uh, but the first big crash yep. I ever had, I hit a jump, I landed sideways and Ooh. I hit my head and broke my collarbone. I was like knocked out for a couple of minutes. I was like really, really big. I was like 12. Um, and interestingly... <laughs> Uh, when I, I started racing again and I was just as successful as before, but when I would get into a similar position of like hitting a jump, it would be something, I don't know if it was about what I was seeing or the smell or whatever it be, it would be, it would remind me of that crash like mid air. And then all of a sudden I would get like a, a strange feeling or maybe like tense up or whatever, and which would make it more dangerous because then I wouldn't be able to, it it wouldn't be, wouldn't be able to to properly uh, react to, to what I was doing. um, yeah. And it was something that I actually had mm-hmm. trained out of my brain. Uh, with a, I talked about it with a sports psychologist. Like, you know, how do I, mm. how do I stop feeling this way? But yeah. wow, it seems like like that experience is very in line with what we're saying. You know, in a, in a split second, yeah. I had yeah. a huge, impactful moment of trauma where my yeah. body was seriously yeah. hurt. And then, yeah, yeah, over time, I've had to kind of work on that uh, brain body yeah. connection to be able to to overcome yeah. that. You do. Yeah, you're resetting the nervous system to reset the brain. And it's really not 
difficult. This is where God has given us a system that is constantly wanting to balance itself. Mm. So when you give it the right input mm. and the right information, it will do that job. It's a, it will, it's a bit like a computer program with the virus. Once you fix the virus, it resets itself. Yes. And that's what we do with the brain, but also with the body. Mm. So, um, and I've just given you a very quick snapshot. But uh-huh. to your example, like for you visually, but even going to a racetrack, what it smells like, what it looks like, yeah. uh, the, yeah, everything about it, the sight, the sound, yeah, everything uh, is a trigger mm. for that memory. Until you dislodge it, until you download it and reset the brain. Yeah, it's actually like one of the one of the big triggers is smell. That for some reason, like I, yes. there's a particular <laughs> smell, and I believe it's like a yeah. like yeah. a, a two stroke motorcycle. When I smell that and yes. I hear the sound of it, immediately I get yeah. flashbacks to like that moment of me going yeah. off the jump. Uh, like seriously, yes. and this is something that I think has died as I've gotten older because it happened when I was twelve, and I kind of yeah. like continued it's, racing it's, afterwards, and it slowly went away yeah. but um yeah yes. definitely something that's still there that's so interesting i'm, I'm yes. like learning about my my problems my trauma <laughs> on, the, on the breakfast show yeah but um wow that's that's giving me a lot of perspective that's yeah. powerful well you look at people in the flood like i know locally yes. people aren't helping and uh, the moment we it looks like we're getting a heavy rain people start mm. to feel that anxiety Mm-hmm. And is it going to flood again? And uh, yeah, and it's a very distressing. And you know, you see the smell of the rain, heavy yes. rain. There's all sorts of triggers now for these people, um, particularly having two floods, there's two seventeen and three twenty two. So the people are on edge about it and um, are really struggling with the trauma, let alone all the other factors that are associated with the losses and income and all sorts of things. So there are still people displaced who are living um, in rental accommodations or respite care to waiting mm-hmm. for their homes to be ready again. So you can see just from your experience how many triggers there are that can offset that trauma. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, totally. And, wow, this is so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fascinating area, isn't it? And I really love the work that I do because I can see people getting beyond their trauma. Um because if you keep reliving it, and some of the therapies get you to relive the trauma and try and extinguish it that way, and all it does, the brain actually increases the impact of the trauma because it doesn't matter whether the brain imagines it, dreams it, or lives it, it will re-traumatise. Mm. It's, it's like it's happening again. So I don't do that, and people are very relieved to know they don't need to tell me their trauma, they just need to tell me how it's affecting them at wow. this time, and that's what we work with. Wow. So, so instead um, of necessarily yeah. like bringing it up again, it's just jumping straight yeah. to this, hey, no, we can do yeah. something about it. We can, we can. Yeah. Let's this. have a look at yeah, how is it affecting your life now? Yeah. Wow, that is amazing. Um, and that's excellent research, particularly in the States and Europe and that. There are some really good researchers there who've mapped the brain and trauma and how it develops and the nervous system, you know. So it's, um, it's very sound evidence to show what works best to release trauma. Mm. Oh, amazing. So I guess from there, like what would be for you like that initial steps mm. with the patient? Like is it just jumping straight into, like do you go over it all, like maybe what they've been through or do you, are you just yeah. kind of jumping yeah. straight into the problem? Okay. Sometimes people want to talk first and tell me what happened. A lot of people don't because they're frozen in that 
that problem. Um, but what I do is educate them, like I'm telling you and the listeners today about trauma in the brain. I do a lot of education because that research shows that when the brain knows how it works, it works a lot smarter. Mm-hmm. So in giving the brain information, this is where like cognitive behavioural therapy works well, understanding brain balance, which we will also look at in um, probably next week, look a lot more at the actual brain balance um, mm-hmm. and what the, how the brain is, is mapped, you know, what it consists of. So educating people after a session, go, wow, that is so good. Now I understand. Because when the brain understands, it will use it. But mm. if you just give them a formula, they don't understand, it won't mean anything. Mm. So um, education is one of the most powerful tools. And then, of course, applying what they learn. Mm-hmm. It's uh, getting them to do it, motivating them to do it. Oh, that's so, amazing. Uh, so I guess from there, like if anyone listening today is uh, listening to us and they're feeling like there is that certain trauma that they need to to overcome using these methods, like what, what do you think would be the steps for them? Well, um, just doing just a slow, deep breathing when, when they're feeling traumatised. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there are some people go into panic. We'll talk about that sometimes. I know we don't have you know a huge amount of time to cover it all today. Um, but just doing some breathing, putting themselves in a safe place, mm-hmm. removing themselves from the area where they're not feeling safe, doing things like getting out, going for a walk, doing something what I call mindfully because when you, you have a trauma reaction uh, or relive it, you're back in the past and trauma is living the past and the present. So bringing yourself back to the present, um, I get people to phone a friend or go for a walk or even go outside, sit in the sun, you know, start to do things that will actually get the whole system to ground itself back into the present. Um, so we look at what they do. Some people like to go and have a shower. Some people, you know, decide, oh, I'm going to go for a walk on the beach, find a friend, um, get a hot drink and sit somewhere and just really enjoy it. You know, so there's things they can do to help come out of it or wind down once they've had that experience again. Mm. Uh, writing it down, writing down what happened to them and then they'll bring it to a session if they're seeing someone, um, you know, and process it. There's lots of things you can do. Yeah. on a very practical level. Mm. Amazing. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, we're going to move on with the show right now. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.